Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. Akron's Bounce Innovation Hub released an economic impact report recently, which shows that between 2018 and 2020, Bounce program participants generated over $110 million in revenue, raised over $23 million in investments, and paid over $50 million in payroll. Bounce is a nonprofit dedicated to helping small businesses, startups, and entrepreneurs become successful by providing them with practical, hands-on mentoring from business leaders. And while they help a number of different kinds of businesses, Bounce Chief Operating Officer Jessica Sublet tells us the majority of their technology-based clients are software, biomedical, or life sciences companies. We have clients that are developing new wound dressings that are easy to remove. We have clients that are developing coatings for orthopedic implants to prevent infection rates. We have clients that are developing new adhesives that are competitive to what we see in command strips. So it's a really broad group. We've also got clients that are developing sensors for monitoring the electrolyte output in sweat for high-endurance athletes so that they can see what nutrients they might be losing as they're running an ultramarathon. So it's a pretty broad group of technology clients. Have you noticed any kind of impact based on the pandemic? And the reason why I'm asking is we have heard that people from bigger cities where it's more expensive, a lot of them because now they can work from home or work anywhere in the country, that they're moving to smaller cities. And I had heard that many, or at least some, were moving to the Cleveland area. I wonder if any of that spill-off has come to our area and it's shown up over at Bounce yet. So we haven't seen it specifically, but one of the things that we're keeping an eye on is our pool of developers and programmers in the region. You know, these are really smart, high-in-demand people who are now gifted the opportunity to work where they live, which is in Northeast Ohio, but that they might be recruited by some of the California or Coast companies to now work with them. So we have a hunch that it might be harder to find developers in the upcoming months and years as working from home becomes more the norm for some of these companies. So we're slightly concerned that we might be seeing some of our companies have trouble finding developers or even some of those people who might have taken the plunge to start a software company might now be enticed to take a really good paying job and stay living locally where their families or their spouse's families are. So that's something that we are sort of hypothesizing may become an issue. We haven't necessarily seen it yet, but it's something that we're keeping an eye on. And I think that that sort of relates to your question. Yeah, that's interesting. That's kind of the flip side of it. A lot of times when people in the technology field really didn't find the opportunity they wanted where they wanted it, they created their own opportunity by starting their own businesses, which is certainly great for an area like ours. But if you can be very comfortably employed by a big company paying big bucks, then you really aren't as inspired to do your own startup, right? 
Yeah, yeah, we're hoping that we still have our Midwest pull ourselves up by our bootstrap and create things sort of mentality, but it's really tempting to take a really good job versus some of the challenges that might come with a startup. You know, you're in a region, though, that has a lot of support for entrepreneurs. So hopefully these developers know that they're in a place that's very supportive and they still want to create new ventures. And maybe they'll do that as their side job while they maybe take a new job from one of the coasts. If your holiday weekend travel includes a trip to southwest Ohio or surrounding states, you might hear something that sounds like this. Or close up like this. That's the sound of a cicada, and it's going to be repeated in a chorus of billions as the 17-year Brood 10 emerges from the ground. Dr. Jean Kritzke is the dean of the School of Behavioral and Natural Sciences at Mount St. Joseph University in Cincinnati. And he says you can help document where and when you see them with a mobile app available in the Apple and Android app stores called Cicada Safari. What we want to do is uh, try to find out where the periodical cicadas that are emerging this month, we want to get a really accurate map of where they are. And over the past hundred years or so, all the mapping was done at the county level, so we know that they occurred, let's say, in Mahoning County, for example. That's all we would know. We want to know right down to the, the very backyard where the cicadas are coming. There are 15 known broods of cicadas. There are 12 uh, 17-year cicada broods, and there are three 13-year cicada broods. And then 2021 is the, the big brood 10, which is one of the largest 17-year cicada broods. That'll occur over southwestern Ohio, but also in Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, parts of Maryland, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky. It's a a large, large brood. So a brood of cicadas is like a pod of whales? A brood number is basically an artificial designation that was created by an entomologist working for the government back in in the 1890s. And he said that every cicada that emerged in 1893, we're going to call that brood one. And then every year he added another brood number, reserving numbers 1 through 17 for the 17-year cicada broods and numbers 18 through 30 for 13-year cicada broods. And when he was able to do that, it was easier to keep track of what year they were coming out and realizing there aren't 30 broods, but there are indeed fewer broods, and it helped us better pinpoint where they were going to emerge. So what do people need to know about cicadas other than that they're loud? Well, periodical cicadas are are bugs of history. Uh, They're essentially, each brood is a a once-in-a-generation event every 17 years. And they, uh, they don't cause any diseases. They're not going to uh, carry away your, your pets or your children. But it's like having a, a David Attenborough special in your backyard. It's a wonder of nature when you get the chance to see a immature cicada crawl out of the ground and up a tree and watch it slowly transform into the adult cicada. It's just, it's just a, an amazing event to see. And then when they come out in big numbers and start singing, <laughs> then it's an amazing thing to hear. And that behavior that lasts about four weeks, and then they're all gone. So what does the singing signify? Are they love songs? Are they trying to mate? Is that what's going on? Well, only the male periodical cicadas sing. They, they form with what's, what we call a chorusing center in a tree. All these males will gather in a tree, and they start singing. And the females do not sing. They, they respond to the male call by flicking their wings at a certain point in the call. And sometimes if you're in a coursing area, you'll hear the, the, the coursing getting really loud, and then it drops in intensity and it gets loud again. What's going on in those events is that if a male has been unsuccessful at attracting a female after a few calls, 
he'll fly to a neighboring tree, and that's when all the, the intensity drops. If a male has been successful in attracting a female, he'll shift his mating call into another uh, slightly, slightly different variation, and then he starts a third call during the mating process. Okay, so this is a, a vocal tinder for cicadas. <laughs> it, it's, uh, if you want to use a, an analogy, it's like a giant cicada singles bar. <laughs> that's great. So tell me how the app works. The app is something that is very easy to use. People just have to go to the App Store at Apple or the uh, Google Play, and you can download the app and create an account and then go out into your neighborhoods and look for cicadas. If you see an empty shell, photograph it, and then submit the photograph to Safari. We will then have specialists who will look at the photograph, and if it's verified as a cicada, it'll go on our map immediately. And it's that easy. And we're able to do this with this kind of technology because the photograph is like a voucher specimen of what people are recording. And then the photograph also includes things like date, longitude, and latitude, which will give us a much more precise about where the periodical cicadas are emerging. And then the reason for the mapping is so important. In the last 20 years, just mapping out cicadas has revealed a whole new population of brood one cicadas east of Knoxville. And my laboratory here at Mount St. Joe uh, documented just uh, in 2001 and we verified in 2014 the first 13-year brood of cicadas in the state of Ohio. They were here all along but no one had ever watched carefully enough to verify what their life cycle was until they emerged off sequence with some of the other broods. So they're not dangerous to people. What function do cicadas have in nature other than to be underground and come out and sing and mate? What do they add to the environment? What, what is their importance in terms of biology? Periodical cicadas are very important to the forest ecology. Uh, for example, when the cicadas emerge, uh, as soon as they start uh, merging, as, uh, as the immature is then transform into adults, they become food for all sorts of opportunistic predators. Uh, we've got birds and raccoons, uh, dogs, cats, even some people have eaten cicadas. The holes they leave behind from their emerging is uh, like a natural aeration that allows water to get down to the roots uh, much more efficiently. After the uh, mating takes place, the female lays her eggs and the terminal portions of branches, which is, uh, causes some of those branches to break. And that's like a natural pruning. So next year, the, uh, the fruit set of the tree that they laid their eggs in will actually have a, a bigger production of flowers and, and set a larger, producing a, uh, more fruit. When the cicadas die, they tend to drop them back to the ground and before essentially it's a, a decay and go right into the soil. And it's almost like a nice nutrient cache available to the trees. That was Dr. Gene Kritzke from Mount St. Joseph University in Cincinnati. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net. <laughs>